Hi, welcome back to the horrors. Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Shay. And <laughs> Finer Girls March Madness Part Two. Here we go. If you have not already listened to Part One, definitely do that, especially if you need a refresher on some of these characters. We go into a lot more context reminding you who they are. And if you're a whore for context, like we are, definitely check that out first before the winner is revealed in this episode. And if for some reason you're catching part two before part one, we are doing a March Madness series based on the final girls. And then in the next few weeks, we'll be the villains of all of the movies we have covered thus far in our film reviews in our first 29 to 30 episodes. All credit to the idea goes to the Dead Meat podcast, which is our favorite horror content creators and should be yours. They're wonderful. They do this every year, so we decided to give it a shot, but only with the movies that we have covered. And now we are on to the semifinals of our March Madness bracket. I'm so excited. We're starting with Digital Girls this time, just like the first round. All right, let's see who is the triumphant Digital Girl. We have Blair from Unfriended and Lola from Cam facing off. That's the thing. Blair is ruthless, but so is Lola. Blair is also unsuccessfully ruthless. That's true. She dies. Lola doesn't. But I mean, I guess if they were facing off against each other, would Blair die? I don't know. I mean, if Lola is as ruthless as Blair's ghost, Laura, then yeah. But I also feel like Blair is only in the predicament that she's in based on the consequences of her actions. Whereas though Lola is just like living her life, doing her thing and this weird. And again, this was our main critique of Cam, right? Is that we Mm -hmm. did not know if it was like a deep fake situation. We did not know if it was some sort of AI situation, some sort of supernatural situation. That was a big gray area in the movie that left us all a little displeased. But I would say Blair's consequences are a reckoning versus Mm. Lola's are by circumstance, Mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily say like who would win in a fight. But also, if we're looking at the ways the movies are shot, unfriended, we'd never see Blair in real life, whereas we do see Mm. Lola apart from her online persona where we do not see Blair removed from that. So if we're going by like that independence factor alone, I'm leaning toward Lola. I also think Lola, because we see her in real life as well as on the internet, she has that inner corner because we only get to see how Blair reacts to something going on virtually. And if these two women are in a fight, we've seen that Lola can use the internet to her advantage and be resourceful on that platform as well as physically and take advantage of her situation physically to get what she wants. So that is kind of for me what it has me leaning towards Lola in this one. I think it's Lola, also an Asian experience alone, (laughs) right? Blair's a high schooler and Lola is like a grown ass independent person. So if you put them against each other, I'm bringing Lola on the other end with me. Excellent. Yeah, I agree. What are we doing now? Babysitter division? Okay. So we have Ashley from Better Watch Out facing off against Jill (laughs) from When a Stranger Calls. Here's the thing about Jill. I am a sucker for the underdog, but in this case, the alpha Ashley, she really, truly does it all. 
She is not only intelligent, but she will do what it takes to get what she needs. And she does not take shit from 13-year-olds. And I love that. Here's the thing. This is why I don't feel bad about not letting Lori advance in the last round. Because I don't think Lori would have beat Ashley either. True. I think Ashley was destined to win this division. (laughs) Just due to the sheer resourcefulness and grit and unwillingness to like cave. Ashley's it for me. I do think that Jill, though, looking back on this and knowing that Ashley is who the next contender would be, I do feel like Jill would put up a better fight against Ashley just for like sheer scrappiness. She would try. It's not a blowout. It's not a blowout. I definitely think she would still kind of impress us a little bit with her underdog qualities, but no, I do not think that she would win. I mean, the character development that Ashley has, the things we get to see her do, the dialogue she has in a fight between the two of them, it's Ashley. It's Ashley. So that means in the next round, we're going to see Lola and Ashley face off. Wow. We'll come back to that. I know. We'll come back. Back up to the mom division. We have Diane from Poltergeist against Judy Hicks from Scream. Damn. This is really hard. I feel like, especially for you, because I still have never seen Poltergeist. And I know you love Judy Hicks. (laughs) I do love Judy Hicks, but Judy Hicks has only ever dealt with things in this dimension. She has only ever dealt with people on Earth in this plane of existence. And most of them are teenage boys or teenage girls. So would that mean in a fight against a human being Diane that she would have a leg up? I don't know. You're right. You're right. Because I'm trying to think that like Diane has come back, obviously weathered and tough and she's seen some shit. She went through a very vaginal otherworldly canal and came out with her baby, right? We discussed this in our second episode. The lady is resilient. Judy might be more well-armed. And more well-trained and more well-equipped to handle any human adversary. But Diane's just a tough broad, you know? What weapons does she use? That's Would her ability to make it through a vaginal teleport be enough to stand up against Judy Hicks? That's the thing, because I'm also thinking about that scene in Poltergeist where Diane is like picked up by her waist and like moved all over the ceiling. And it's a very iconic type of imagery. And she is being like lifted up by this entity and she ends up being able to run away from it, but we don't ever see it. Right. So it's like all of her strength has been in the supernatural sense where Judy's is in the very practical sense. So although Diane has seen more shit, she's also much older where I feel like in hand-to-hand combat, it's hard to argue with a police lieutenant. It might be Judy. Are you okay? (laughs) I think I'm okay with it. It's just because if you look at the resume, Diane is obviously a lot more weathered, but Mm -hmm. it's hard to look at our tools of our disposal, battle royale rules, and (laughs) say that mom energy Judy Hicks doesn't outlast a mom with a perm from the 80s. Right. That is the thing. I do think it it has to be Judy based on our rules. This is the the good thing too about rules is that as much as they suck sometimes, at the end of the day, it isn't about who's better. You know, it's about this situation. If they were to face off, who would come out triumphant? Now in a supernatural plane, like you said, Diane 
she would definitely be a very, 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 very strong contender for that because she has that experience. But head to head, it's got to be Judy. And next we have our cult girls, right? We do. Tell us who we have. So we have Danny from Midsummer versus Grace from Ready or Not. So Danny, this is tricky because if we're looking at Danny, if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> like you said. I mean, Grace never really had the option to join him, right? True. But she, she would did have joined join them. them. She would have joined them <laughs> had she not have had to been the sacrificial lamb. So it's this weird little balance of on the onset, Grace did join them. She's like, I'm broke. You're rich. I'm going to marry into this family because I don't have parents. And this is great for me. Whereas Danny was like, I just lost my parents. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then she just ended up there. But like, again, weapons of disposal. Danny doesn't overtake anybody. If she hadn't won the May Queen competition, which I would say she only did because she was drugged and she was able to like talk in languages and tongues and shit like that. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't have survived as long as she did. Mm-hmm. She could have just as easily been one of the sacrifices. Okay, let's flip it. If Christian was in the rich family and Danny was marrying into the rich family, and in order to save Christian, she would need to be sacrificed, she would have let herself be sacrificed. Mm. Can you argue with that? I mean, it depends on the part of the movie. But in the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, like at the yeah, time where right. Grace realizes, at the time where Grace realizes versus at the time. Danny doesn't make a game time decision until 10 minutes to the end of the movie where Grace has to make game time decisions 10 minutes into the movie. Yes. I think that that definitely speaks in favor of Grace and also the weapons at her disposal and the weapons we've seen her use, the resourcefulness we have seen from her. I just think in a hand-to-hand combat, it has to be Grace. It's Grace. It's Grace. Nice. Grace is one of those final girls that is, I mean... One of the best, one of the greatest in a really fun storyline. Fun, I use loosely. She's just... Grace for Judy Hicks. <laughs> Are you okay? It's getting well, we'll find out when we get there, but holy shit. <laughs> All right, let's cross that bridge when we get there. Yes. Over to Out of This World Girls, we have Addie and Us versus Angie from Await Further Instructions. I'm inclined to say Addie only because she has more to prove, I think does prove more. She does. She She has more to prove and she proves more because Angie is wildly intelligent, but that intelligence can only go as so far as she is understood. And she is not understood nor appreciated where she is. Whereas Addie leads that family. She is the one that leads that family. He's like, we need to go to Santa Fe again. We need to do all this, that, and the other thing. Even if we're looking at Addie as red and is the one that engineered the revolution. Angie can only be as effective as she is perceived and she is not perceived favorably. She is the other in the entirety of that movie. And the other thing is too, even if we were to take Angie out of that restrictive context and put her into an environment where she could exert more power with her intelligence and her instincts, I still think that she represents to me like a peace and communications at all cost person. Addie to me seems very Pisces. Like she's emotional, but she's creative and she'll do what it takes. Yes. (laughs) But Addie doesn't have that clear of a moral compass. I feel like Angie, like in a fight, 
I don't know if she would want to fight. I mean, I guess, do you think she would if she had to? I feel like Addie, you know, based on her history and her experiences, I don't know if like the rules of warfare would be taken (laughs) into consideration as much as Addie. Like I could see her like pulling some pretty sneaky shit on Angie to win that fight. I don't know. Either way, I think Addie is in control of her narrative the entire time, whereas Angie never is. So it's very easy to think that Addie would be able to strategically align herself in a situation where in hand-to-hand combat, Angie would go down, even if she's smarter. So in that sense, I am favorable to Addie. I agree. So now we have Dana from Cabin in the Woods against Sydney from Scream. It makes me want to take back all my arguments I said about Dana earlier, where she like goes against every single like... She doesn't go against a ghost face. She doesn't go against a ghost face, but like all that Sydney goes against are humans. They're just humans in a mask. True. It's so hard because Dana is written to be every final girl because the movie in itself is meant to be like self-reflexive, where Sydney is just the best of the crop. She is one of the best final girls. That is a trope. So it's hard to go against the mask of the trope as well as the best of the stereotype. What weapons do we see Dana use? Sydney Sweeney has a gun. She says it. Of course I have a fucking gun. Sydney Sweeney? Sydney Prescott. (laughs) You guys, I've been watching a lot of Euphoria TikTok. Sydney Prescott, Jesus. Let's just throw Sydney Sweeney in here as an actress. She would just cry her way to the top. (laughs) No, no hate. But Sydney Prescott, I mean, she has a gun. She could just roll up on the scene, shoot a bullet. And I don't know. I I don't know if I could see Dana standing up against that. Like, I just, Sydney is such a force. Dana gets the shit beaten out of her on that dock. Remember? Like, she is being strangled. She is being brutalized. But it ends up being Marty that comes to save her. True. She does always have Marty. Things look really grim for Dana until we realize Marty is still alive. Yes. I would say I don't know if she would have survived that encounter on the dock had it not been for Marty because the people in the organization were already like opening their champagne and celebrating because they thought that it was over until they realized that Marty hadn't died. Whereas Mm -hmm. Sydney can't die. (laughs) Even I think the closest she's come was like in the third movie where she was wearing the bulletproof vest Mm. and in the fourth movie where she's going against her cousin and she does the clear thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think at this point, Sydney Prescott can't die. Yeah. For that reason, it's Sydney Prescott. And again, if we're talking like street fight, head to head, I just can't see Dana besting Sydney Prescott. I just can't see it. Who we got next? Okay, so we have Ivy from The Village and Abigail Williams from The Crucible. (laughs) I have no idea how to measure this one. (laughs) For me, it's Abigail Williams. Still? Still Abigail Williams, 100%. This is kind of a similar situation to Addie and Angie. Like, I just don't see Ivy, like, whereas, yes, she could totally beat Heather from Blair Witch Project. I just can't see her beating Abigail Williams, who is somebody who would do what it takes to beat her. This is an interesting situation because we don't really see either of them using any weapons except their intellect and almost like trust in the universe. But also, you know, Abigail Williams, she has a line. She literally threatens her best friends and says, I'll kill you if you tell anybody what I'm telling you not to say. Like she has the willpower to do it. 
and she witnessed her own parents murder. Like she could rip her apart. I know it. But that's the thing. Like she leads Adam Brody into a stake pit. And even in the beginning of the village, we see her wrestling with sighted people and kicking their ass and all that kind of stuff. And that's the thing, though. When I hear that kind of dialect from Abigail Williams, when you were a teenager, did you not say, I'll kill you if you tell? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I mean, like, it's dramatized is what I'm saying. Like, it it comes with the age, whereas Ivy seems a little more matured, a little more weathered. I do see that. And you're right. Abigail, maybe she really is all talk. And we did mention this last episode, you know, she loses her power once the system that she's taking advantage of loses its power. And Ivy she's kind of like everlasting. And we do see her physical capabilities on her side. She isn't just all talk. We do see results from her. Elise was Abigail Williams for Halloween. So I think this (laughs) is where her bias might be coming from. I'm just saying. (laughs) I was. I was Abigail Williams for Halloween, but I was Elizabeth Proctor first when I was a sophomore in high school. So, I mean, I've been both. I've straddled the line. It is kind of like a battle of good versus evil here. Even though Abigail Williams, is she a protagonist? You know, maybe maybe she's done in this protagonist fight. Maybe all the fight she has left to give is too villainous to fulfill this category anymore. She runs away from her society, right? But because she's persecuted. Whereas Ivy almost is confronted with the fallacies of her lifestyle because her father shows her the porcupine costumes and lets her in on the fact that their way of life is a lie. But then she continues to return to it. Like she chooses to return to it to save Lucius, who she loves. So is that a conviction or is that a lack of conviction? I mean, that's the thing too, like with Abigail Williams, We talked before about like her sexual awakening, but her sexual awakening, unfortunately, like it's grounded in the wrong thing. Like she has this affair with Proctor. She learns so much about her physical body, her capabilities, emotions she never felt before, but she fails to take it as a lesson. She sees it as like an isolated occurrence. And that's where I kind of lean toward Ivy is because she's older. She's a little wiser. Yeah. She, she is not pretending that she knows all of what the world has to offer, but she's navigating it with yeah. the lessons that she's learned and what she knows needs to be done and prioritizing the things that are important to her, which is Lucius being alive. To me, it's just that Abigail Williams, all right. I'm seeing is a conviction, a fall from conviction, but not a reconviction where yeah. I'm seeing Ivy have a conviction, a fall from conviction, a reconviction. Again, it's not necessarily conviction and a right thing, but she does something heroic. We do see that like faith or that like belief driving her. And I think if we were to see that strength of faith versus maybe the more like rash, chaotic energy of Abigail head to head, I could see Ivy coming out as the triumphant one. I just think she's too experienced. I think she's seen, quote unquote, enough shit where Abigail, every 17-year-old who's had sex once thinks they know everything about everything. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of, it's like a thing. It's a false (laughs) confidence. And I don't think that bravado would carry Abigail farther than Ivy's already had proven she can go, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And things just, they really do break Ivy's way in a lot of senses. There's like a special relationship between her and the universe that we see in the village. And she's kind of like Cinderella. (laughs) She has like a weird connection to like the birds and the nature. And like, I could see that somehow breaking her way in a fight. 
I remember you even saying in that episode about how her name is so symbolic. She's mm-hmm. Ivy. She's of the wood. She's mm-hmm. part of that environment in such a way. Like, I remember you saying that and how it's just so pertinent to how she was grown and how she was developed and all those types of things. Like, in that environment, she's going to do what she needs to survive, even if it's mm-hmm. not necessarily in line with what she's always thought has been truth. She's going to adapt. Right. I think adaptability I is her key to winning. Okay. I feel good. It's Ivy. It's Ivy. <laughs> and so who will Ivy head against? First, we have to decide between Bridget from Ginger Snaps and Needy from Jennifer's Body. So You're so similar. Okay. And this is the thing. I am so tainted by the sequels of Ginger Snaps. There is a prequel and there is a mm. sequel and I know both of them and it makes me like know what Bridget ends up doing later on, which isn't fair because we're only judging it based on what we've covered. Bridget ends that movie infected and alone, <laughs> which so does Needy. She ends up infected and alone. We see her kill that band. That band. You're right. That but- sacrificed Jennifer, which is a big deal. A werewolf versus succubus. Holy, that's really tough. Look, I feel like in any werewolf versus any other character scenario, the werewolf always loses. You think so? Werewife. (laughs) Werewife. It's that point of the night where I can't say my, my ols. (laughs) Wait. Your ifs. (laughs) Maybe it's just vampires because I'm thinking of Jacob V. Edward. And I'm also thinking about the show, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, never mind. (laughs) um, Which is a comedy on Hulu. And a group of vampires living in Staten Island have beef with some werewolves. And the werewolves, they lose. So, like, a succubus. Needy is a blood eater. Like, she's just a bloodsucker. But Bridget wouldn't be her prey. I mean, I guess she could be. I mean, if they're in a fight. If they're in a fight. I mean, Bridget would have like a vial of anecdote or a promise to be a sister forever, whereas Needy would have her teeth (laughs) and she could fight. I mean, if we're looking at Bridget in just the first movie where she isn't fully formed into a werewolf. It's Needy. It's Needy. I love Bridget and I do want to see those sequels because I still haven't seen them. But yeah, so then that means Needy and Ivy are going to face off. (laughs) This is so funny. Oh, Jesus. I love this. Like, this is so fun for me. Okay, so we're back to the digital girls. Digital girls v. babysitters? Yes. Digital girls v. babysitters. We have Lola from Cam versus Ashley from Better Watch Out. This is actually really hard. And this is so interesting because I did not think... Like, I had my favorites going into this competition. Yes. And listeners can probably guess who they were for each of us. And Lola was not one of my favorites, but after our discussion and realizing the variety of skills and convictions that she shows in her movie, she really does show a lot of, I don't know, skill and aggression and power despite her circumstances. You know, despite the conversation we had about that movie and the parts about it we didn't like, if we're looking at Lola just as an isolated character, there are some really cool things about her. I didn't think she was going to be somebody that I felt this way about. She's a bit of a dark horse. You're right. Yeah. That's the thing. Hand to hand, though. We haven't seen her so much in that circumstance. We've seen her in petty situations, you know, with like the Cam house where she was kind of 
pressured into doing things that she wasn't super comfortable with. And we've seen her in that motel room with that guy who was her number one fan at one point. But everything that she has done has been for her benefit financially and professionally. Whereas everything Ashley's done has been for survival. I did just have a memory of when Ashley grabbed the gun and tried to shoot Luke. And that to me is a sign of, I will do what it takes to stop this. I remember so vividly in our conversation too, is like how she would not let Luke think that he had any power in this situation. Where I feel as though that would have been Lola's MO, right? Like her job is to make whoever she's talking to think that they're the hottest thing on this earth, right? Whereas Ashley would not let Luke think for a second that he was in power. Like when he like touched her breasts and he's like, well, how'd that feel? And she was like, like a 12 year old just felt me up or whatever like that. Whereas I feel as though Lola would have leaned more into that sexuality a little bit more and maybe given Luke a little bit more of what he wanted. Which isn't to say that wouldn't aid in her survival, but in that degree, it makes Ashley that much more uncompromising. Because that's the thing, I so surely do not want to paint Lola as somebody who is going to compromise her integrity, her beliefs, her morals, her whatever, to do what needs to get done. But I just think their skill sets are so different and Ashley's are just a little more lethal, especially based on what you just said. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think Lola's biggest enemy seems like it's herself, her expectations for herself, her drive, what she wants of herself and her profession. And she masters that. Like we do see her come out triumphant in the end because she reaches, I guess, a point with herself where she's like, this is what I want. And I have proven myself to be the most authentic version of myself, not some kind of fabricated version of this persona I want to present to my clientele. But Ashley, I think we've seen her be more successful fighting other people. She grabs the gun. She tries to escape. She does all these things. And she is uncompromising. You're right. There is no role playing there. And I guess to me, that makes her feel, I think, more intimidating, even though people who are willing to play roles are super intimidating (laughs) because it's kind of that dynamic of maybe they know more than you know. So if they were in a situation where Lola was able to play into that sort of alter ego and appeal to maybe a different side of Ashley, a more trusting side of Ashley, I could see her being very successful. But if this is a physical fight, I think it has to be Ashley. That's the thing. If you were trying to like pit Lola up against Luke, she would be the perfect adversary for Luke. But it's not. It's not Mm -hmm. against Luke. It's against Mm -hmm. Ashley. And I think Ashley is just too uncompromising and resourceful where she would be able to just figure it the fuck out where I think it took Lola a little long to figure it the fuck out. And maybe if it was a human person, we'd be able to see her capabilities a little bit more. Again, it was like a digital demon, but I'm giving it to Ashley. Okay. So let's talk about Judy Hicks versus Grace. (laughs) Such a different matchup. Judy Hicks, she'll do what it takes, but she's a rule follower. She's a woman of the law. Correct. She has a fierce and strong moral compass. And it's why we love her so much. Absolutely. However, Grace, like we've mentioned, she adapts to her surroundings. She takes things at face value and she goes from there and she will fuck it up. So for me, it it has to be Grace. Again, 
<laughs> Judy fails in 1v1 and Grace succeeds in 10v1. Yes. Another great statistic. It's just what it is. It's just mm-hmm. what it is. Grace is just faced with so many different adversaries and she wins over all of them. And granted, about maybe 75% of them aren't completely done by her, but she is able to win allies. She's able to win favor throughout the movie. She's young. She's volatile. She's just... And in a wedding dress. (laughs) In a wedding dress. (laughs) She does it all. She does it all. As much as I adore Judy Hicks, I think it's got to be Grace. Yeah. (laughs) I feel good about that. It doesn't surprise me that she's made it this far. Okay. So that brings us to... These are semifinals. I called what was we just did semifinals. So I don't know. Qualifiers. I'm not with sports. I don't watch basketball. I thought semifinals were like before the finals. Well, I thought so too, but then I didn't know what to call what we just did. Was that qualifiers? Like what was the first round that we did? Was that just... I'm the wrong bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the wrong bitch. Especially if this is based on March Madness basketball. It's not me. We have our first face-off for who will qualify for the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) For the World Series. And and now we're about to see who's going to qualify for the World Series. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so who we got? Addie versus Sydney. Damn. This is a very interesting matchup. It's so different. Like, they're so different. Mm Mm-hmm. Sydney is so good 1v1, and Addie is so good many v1. Like, they're just so different. Here's the thing, because we're in fifth movie Sydney, right? I feel as though all of Addie's decisions are driven by her family, preservation of her family. Right. Sydney always puts herself in a situation where her shit is locked up and safe, and she is just worrying about her goddamn self. And I don't know that Addie would go as hard if not for the situation that she was in. Like, if you put her independent of any threat of her children or her husband, Mm -hmm. would it be the same? If we're talking about Addie, as in the Addie that switched places with the real Addie and presented herself as Addie to us the whole movie until the end, we do see her put herself first and lure the other version of herself into the underworld so she can have a shot at a life. So yes, in the movie, within the context of the movie, we see her putting her family first, but then we realize that she puts more than her family first. She puts her own opportunity first in a very like pretty ruthless way. Even as a young child, (laughs) she makes that choice. It's also like Sydney never had a choice. You know what I mean? Like her mother was killed. Her boyfriend fucked her and then tried to kill her. Then she got another boyfriend and screamed too. And then her ex-boyfriend's mom tried to kill her. And then her half-brother tried to kill her. And then her niece tried to kill her. Like if you just look at the amount of people that have been after this woman, she just has not relented. It has not lessened as a result of that. Like again, it's hard to know that we are judging a fifth movie Sydney versus a first movie Addie. But it's just painting a level of resiliency for Sydney that if Addie went down, she would double tap her and it would be done. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, that's, that's a good point, though. When we think about the tethered, the tethered only really goes after the version of themselves. Addie has a lot of stake in the game with her family, but she's most of the time only worried about one adversary. And we do see Sydney Sweeney worried about more than one adversary 
not Sweeney. Oh my Jesus F and like (laughs) Sydney Prescott. (laughs) That's That's a good point because we really only see Addie worried mostly about her alter ego. She's worried about her family and their well-being, but she only has to watch her back for her alter ego and whoever that is from the tethered. Whereas Sydney Prescott is worried about how many killers, how many different times, how many different places. I don't know. I mean, in a fight, Sydney Prescott, we have seen use a wide variety of weapons. We've also seen the same from Addie. I mean, we've seen her be resourceful and we've also seen her do what it takes to survive for the sake of her and her family. I mean, head to head, this would be a very tough fight. Like my heart just tells me it's Sydney Prescott just because she's got the resiliency. I know. And it's hard when you have a whole franchise behind you. You're right. With You're roots right. in the 90s, whereas us is what, 2019? I mean, it's interesting though, because they're of similar age. You know, Addie's like a middle-aged yeah. mom, and That's so is true. Sydney. Like it's it is kind of like a mom division repeat. Like it's not yeah. like either of them have a weird level of advantage over one another. But you're right. I think it's that Sydney has a wide variety of skills and prior knowledge and weapons. I'm thinking of the scene in Scream 2022 where she's shooting through all of the doors that she walks by and she ends up shooting Rich. She's vigilant. She's on her shit. She's not making mistakes. She's not second guessing her opponent at any given point whatsoever. You're right. Even though it's argued that Sam's kind of the one that saves the day in Scream 2022. If it was Sydney, she would save the day too. It doesn't matter. Whereas Addie and Red, that altercation that happens, I think Sydney would win. If you were in the basement of the tethered situation mm-hmm. and they had the shears and they're strangling each other, I still think Sydney would win. That's I don't a know. good point though. Like if this was Addie versus young Sydney, I don't think it would turn out this way. Right. But since we've covered all five screen movies... And Sydney in the fifth movie is fair game. That experience, it's hard to argue with it. And so I think it has to be Sydney. It's Sydney. Even though Addie would be a very worthy adversary. She would. I think it wouldn't be a blowout. I think, again, it would be like same with the Jill and Ashley thing. It would kind of be close, but I (laughs) think that Sydney just edges Addie out in terms of experience because Addie has gotten to live her life, make her family go to college, do whatever the fuck she did and not have to deal with Red or Addie for most of her life where every year of Sydney's life, (laughs) like every five years, she's being reminded like Ghostface is a thing. It's like a basic training every five to 10 years for this broad. Like she's got to deal with shit. She's ready. She's militant. All right. Cindy Prescott done. She's got it. Right. So then that leaves us with Ivy versus needy. Jesus (laughs) Christ. For me, it has to be needy. Needy is a succubus. Okay. This is like the first time Ivy's encountered someone who's supernatural, Uh somebody who's just naturally a little more like physically actually able to take her over. I don't disagree with you. I think that although Ivy is smart and Ivy is resourceful and Ivy's loyal, Needy's just seen enough shit where she can take advantage of all of that. And Needy's going to be able to just fuck her day up. Needy's supernatural. And Ivy is not. Mm -hmm. Ivy was great when it came to her context of being in a Puritan world governed by Puritan things. 
but now Needy is a succubus and drinks blood to survive. It's a level up. It's a level up. And I think it's just hard for her to beat Needy particularly at this point. Right. I think even though we've talked about the sort of supernatural essence to Ivy, I don't think that can compare to Needy's actual supernatural existence. Correct. Yeah. So love you, Ivy. Bye-bye. But that's it. Okay. So here we are. We are at our semifinals and our first to face off. We have Grace from Ready or Not and Ashley from Better Watch Out. Fuck. I don't know where to start. I always kind of knew this would be the matchup on this side of the bracket. I always kind of knew this is what it was going to be. Because <laughs> <sighs> both are, I think, what envelops the final girl that we need in the 21st century. Right. Mm, Like mm -hmm. they are just so capable. They are so good. They are so on top of their shit. And if we're comparing statistics, right, Ashley went against two 13 year olds and she is 17 in a house. Whereas she was tied up a lot of the time. She was. And Grace married into a family that then tried to all kill her. And then she had to mastermind her way out of a sacrificial ritual before dawn so that they all could die. I don't want to rely on statistics, but again, Grace is 10v1 and Ashley is first, maybe two at most. You know what? You just brought up a really good point. Grace isn't only battling the physical. She is also battling the supernatural. She has that curse hanging over her head. You're right. You're right. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, the Leidomas curse. And that's the thing, because that's where it comes into that battle between her and Danny, right? Where it's like, had she had the choice to just join the cult, she would have. And that's where it would have been a much different conversation. But like the game that she chose didn't allow her to just join the cult. She had to sacrifice herself for the cult, which she wasn't going to do, which is why she won over Danny. I don't know. I feel good about Grace. Grace is just so hard to beat. Like, and, and again, like we, we keep saying the same thing about Ashley, but if you're wagering a 25-year-old Grace versus a 17-year-old Ashley, when you know that Ashley has only had to go against two 13-year-olds and mm-hmm. Ashley has had to go against 10 full-ass grown adults and maybe one kid in the shed, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's a much, like, which situation would you rather be in? It's a good point. And she, again, is the woman who will take the rifle off the wall. Not that Ashley wouldn't pick up the gun off the floor and try to shoot it. Also, if we're thinking about age too, Grace is a little older. One of the things I love about Ashley is that she doesn't feel like she needs to say what her captors want her to say. But there's also part of that, not going to lie, makes me a little nervous. She's fearless and I love that, but it makes me a little nervous. I feel like Grace might ride that line a little bit less nerve-wrackingly to me where she will do what physically is needed of her, but she can also be manipulative (laughs) where she needs to, if she needs to survive. Yeah. I feel as though if Ashley were in the situation that Grace was in, she would have gotten just killed off a little earlier for being (laughs) insubordinate. You know what I mean? Where it's like Grace was able to ride the line in such a way where she was believable, but not submissive or not anarchistic. Yeah, it's just hard to be Grace. It's hard to be Grace. So, all right, Grace, Grace she's is our advancing. Winner. Holy shit! Okay, so in our finals, Grace is one of our girls. 
So to find this next spot, we're going to have to see how Sydney Prescott from Scream and Needy from Jennifer's Body will fare. This is hard because you brought up this point before about Sydney dealing with humans. And Needy is not a human. She's not a human at this point. She is half succubus at this point. But okay, are we looking at the definition of a succubus where it's kind of like a siren? You know what I mean? Where it's like they kind of like drain the life force of men. Because even if we look at the end of Needy's arc, she's killing all of the band members in Low Shoulder. And it's different because we also know that Needy kind of leans toward women too. So I don't know if it's necessarily a matter of attraction or a matter of mythology. I don't necessarily know. But like Sydney Prescott has not had to deal with anything supernatural up until this point. But also Needy is a supernatural teenager. Was that like less intimidating than a supernatural adult? We have like 40s Sydney Prescott versus Needy, who is maybe 16. Needy as a human killed Jennifer. No, because like she only got bit during that interaction at the end in the bed. All you had to do was stab her through the heart. And I feel like that's Sydney Prescott's MO is being able to like get the job done. That's enough for me. It has to be Sydney. Sydney Prescott it is. Well, very interesting. We have Grace from Ready or Not sparring against Sydney Prescott. This is our finals, right? Like, this is it. This is it. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. It's like literally the new age versus the OG. Like, it is Sydney fucking Prescott versus (laughs) Grace from Ready or Not. (gasps) And it's so funny because fucking Radio Silence directed both. Really? Radio Silence directed Ready or Not and Radio Silence directed 2022 Scream. They are like the mind between both of these final girls, which is telling us something. Yes. Wow. This is really (laughs) fucking hard. (laughs) Because Grace has every weapon at her disposal, right? Yeah. Let's count what we know. Let's. So let's. Yes. Yes. We know she can take them in numbers. Yes. We know that she has many weapons at her disposal. Yes. We know that she is smart. And is good at hiding and seeking. (laughs) Hashtag ready or not. And she's wearing a wedding dress the whole time, which definitely shows that she is agile. Yes. But we know also Sydney Prescott to be distrustful to a positive. Like she is suspicious of everybody. We know her to be ultimately prepared where she's, you know, putting a tracking device on Sam's car and she Mm -hmm. has a gun with her. And in Scream 3, she has the bulletproof vest. She's resourceful in Scream 4. She's got the paddles and all that kind of stuff. She's proven again and again and again and again and again. She's going to do what it takes to survive, no matter what is at her disposal. It's so interesting because... This is another situation where we have somebody with one movie versus somebody with five. Yes. And the Sydney Prescott that we see in the fifth screen movie is very different from the Sydney Prescott we see in the first. Like the teenager Sydney Prescott who did have that boyfriend that she trusted and she was shattered when she found out his true identity and motives. And then we have Grace who is going through something similar, but definitely I think demonstrates 
I don't know, like a lot of smarts and intelligence and determination, despite having on her wedding night had all of these realizations at once. I don't know. It almost seems to me like it's a working class grit and they're both working class grit because you have Grace who doesn't seem to have a family or doesn't seem to have a support system. And then you also have Sydney Prescott who doesn't have a mom and, you know, her dad kind of ends up getting dispatched by like the second or third movie and her friends always end up dying. Like all of these situations. And it's just this like weird working class grit where like Grace is so willing to do what it takes to survive. She kills her mother-in-law. She's willing to let her husband die. But Sydney has seen her best friends die. She's seen her mother die. She's seen her cousins and her aunts and all of these other people die. Where if in the same situation, would Grace be as resilient? Like, mm-hmm. if you were to see Grace 20, 30 years from now, where Sydney is, do you think that she would kind of be at the place that she is in terms of? I mean, and that's a little bit unfair, right? Because we're supposed to be battling, you know, Sydney Prescott yeah. as a 40 something versus Grace, who's a 20 something, but it's still like, does experience outweigh the grit? I don't know. Yeah, it is tricky because, yes, Sydney does have that experience as a 40 something, but she also has age, whereas Grace has that youth. Maybe that would help her in some ways as far as like the physical goes. But Sydney Prescott, she has a gun. She stays active in that one scene we see her in the movie. She's like on a jog with her babies in a stroller. Like she's not sitting around. She's very fit and she knows what she needs to be constantly preparing for because of her whole entire life. <laughs> Yeah, I think age just might be grit in this situation. Like, I think Grace would grow up to be Sydney Prescott, mm-hmm. but I don't think that a seasoned Sydney Prescott is going to lose to Grace. Yeah, I agree. I think it has to be Sydney Prescott. <laughs> our winner of our final Girls March Madness is Sydney fucking Prescott. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who I expected to win. Like Grace was absolutely going to be in the top two for me at some point. Mm. But like experience just has to outweigh age at this point. I mean, she's unbeatable. Like, again, I think it'd be different if we were judging first movie Sydney, but we're not. We're judging fifth movie Sydney. So it's just so appropriate, but also like, damn, like Grace would have won against maybe anybody else. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you have legacy... This has me thinking about our villains. You know, legacy seemed to play a really big role here. But the interesting thing about, you know, if we were to match Sydney's legacy with Ghostface's legacy, Ghostface always changes. Like, I don't think we're going to have a villain matchup here. I think that it's going to have to be a different villain. It's going to have to be because we at least know that in Scream 5, Sydney prevails over the Ghostface in that movie. So it's going to be somebody different and it's going to be wow, it would like Sydney stand a chance against somebody who's a lot more mystical or digital or what? It's going to be so interesting. But like, I feel confident that Sydney Prescott is our champion of the Final Girls March Madness tournament. And this is so exciting. Yeah, I agree. I feel good about this. And I think Grace is a very worthy runner up. She very much is. I feel really bad that her and even Ashley had to be wiped out in this scenario. But I'm also really excited to see how our villain matchups are going to go in the next few weeks. 
So in the next two weeks, we will be doing something similar where we do our villain matchups. Again, same movies, maybe some different divisions. And we will be discussing who would win in fights, perhaps in another two-part episode. And in this last half of whatever the second episode is, we will be seeing if Sydney Prescott still prevails as our champion or whether she falls to a villain. It's going to be a tough one. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at The Horrors Podcast. Or if you would like, you can email us at thehorrorspodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, recommendations. If email is your forte, you can send us a message there. Until next time, we're the horrors. Bye. Bye. Bye.